Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Guitar Talk. I'm your host, Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Boy, we got a great show in store for you. I tell you what, I am a huge fan of jazz guitar, and today you can't get no better. I've got the one and only, the legendary Lee Rittenour. That's right, 45 albums. That's right, we're talking about his 45th album. That's a lot of albums for a guy. You know what, and this is the first album that Lee has ever done that is 100% Lee Rittenour. What I mean is, is that there's no special guests. There's no other amazing musicians other than Lee Rittenour on this album. So you're in for a real treat. We had an amazing conversation about the album, about his history, about the loss of his home and guitars a while back to wildfires in California. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. So sit back, get yourself a nice cool beverage, and here we go. This is Mr. Lee Rittenauer. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I'm great. And you know what? This opportunity just makes my day that much greater. <laughs> Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm right outside of Chicago. All right, great. All right, a little cooler there than L.A., but... <laughs> yeah. A lot, of great, a lot of great guitar players and, uh, and uh, fans out of uh, the Chicago area. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great music town. Yeah, oh, amazing. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, fabulous players here. But you, my friend, are, you know, at, at the... The top of the heap, I mean, you have had such an impressive career for so long. And one of the things that's fascinated about me is that you seem to be somebody who is an advocate for, for other players. It's like you try to, it's, it's like you bring people along for the ride because you appreciate what they do. Well, no, that's for sure. I, I think I'm, I'm old enough that I, uh, you know, I was very competitive my whole life I, st I still am you know I'm, uh, you have to have a pride and you have to have confidence in what you do and you and in the music business and the guitar business you you have to you know stand out you know more than ever now because there's zillions of musicians all over the world but I uh, I had many uh, supporters and I worked very hard and starting with my family and being in LA uh, gave me a lot of opportunities back in the 60s when I started playing the guitar you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's one of the things. Uh, and you've had some of, you know, some of the most impressive albums. Uh, you know, one of the one of the best ones that I've loved that you did was Six String Theory. Oh yeah, well that was a a guitar player's uh, you know wet dream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, because you had such a diverse group of people, which was amazing to me. Well, it really. By 2010, which is when I, we did that album, uh, we might have actually started in in 2009. But the uh, the actual record I think came out in 10, and, uh, and we did most of it in 10. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, and and it it was really the when the record companies, the major record companies, the Sony's and the Universals and the Capitals and even jazz companies like and blues companies like Concord and they they were finding that things were changing and and 
you know, they needed different hooks in order to interest people because now the, the internet was out there and, and the generation was changing and the, the music business, like every business was changing. And so it was before they would say, no way you could put jazz and rock and blues and folk and country and classical on the same record. Are you nuts? You know, but, uh, I said, yeah, that's what I want to do with all these incredible guitar players, you know, and uh, and it and it worked because the guitar uh, turns out to be one of the most universal instruments in the world, along with the drum, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is is, is no? Are you? Uh, would you say that that you're you're more passionate about the guitar as an instrument? or just music in general. You know, like some people, the, the guitar is a tool in order to be able to, to play music, but then again, you find some people that are just absolutely love the guitar. Well, I think, uh, I think for me, it really is both. You know, yeah. I, I would say have to be almost in equal spaces, but the guitar probably has, if I had to, <laughs> I mean, you always pick music because, you know, what we do with the guitar is make music, but the guitar is definitely the uh, the calling card. And it's been that way since I was eight years old. And uh, I was lucky enough to grow up in L.A. And my parents lived moved from, uh, from the Dearborn, Michigan area. Uh, my dad wanted some warmer weather, and, and he wanted a little more freedom on the West Coast and, and able to do his thing. And, and when I showed it, and he wanted to be a piano player, and and his parents never wanted him to do that because to be a professional musician was a no-no, you know, that kind right. of thing. Right. And so he was very uh, uh, responsive about me uh, playing music. And he didn't push me, but I, I fell in love with the guitar right away. It was a perfect time because, gosh, you think about the the 60s, uh, uh, in, not only in rock, you know, but in every field of music, yeah. there was legendary guitar players. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the, um, in, in you know, in California, in areas of California, uh, music was, I don't know, it's, it seems like that's where everybody was. Yeah, it, you know? it really, it you know, the, the whole folk thing really, I mean, you could, you could argue also in New York and other, other places in, in the U.S., but certainly in the Bay Area of San Francisco and certainly in Los Angeles, um, you know the whole uh, folk thing started the rock and and you had all these groups with uh, and you had the record companies with young guys sort of leading the edge on the record companies and, uh, and, and 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 maybe the jazz guitar players were coming from different parts of the country but uh, the guitar was such a big deal here and and whether in LA you know I, I, my dad called people out of the phone book. So when I was 12 years old, he was 13, he called up Joe Pass and he called up Barney Kessel. And, yeah. and, uh, and those two people ended up having a, a big impact on me. But Barney Kessel was just one lesson, but he recommended Duke Miller, who was this phenomenal teacher uh, that went on to teach at USC and, and, uh, was a lifetime friend. And, and then Joe Pass, I knew him my whole life and, and was a great influence. And then, Clubs like the Lighthouse were <clears throat> down the street in Hermosa Beach, and I would hear Kenny Burrell and Wes Montgomery, and, yeah. and and you know the beat the blues scene was amazing with BB King and and uh, you know all the all the incredible guys. John Lee Hooker was still around, you know it was it was amazing, you know. 
Yeah. So, so would you say, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, you were influenced by, by pretty much all genres of music. You were just taking in whatever was available to you, right? Well, absolutely. You know, and, and, uh, even as a teenager, you know, the, we'd be watching a TV show, some, uh, weekly TV series and, and my lifetime friend that I met later when I was 19, Dave Grusin, he was scoring all these TV shows and uh, he was using jazz guitar players like Howard Roberts and, you know, phenomenal uh, jazz guitarist in, in the L.A. studio scene. And, and he would let Howard like just blow over these chase scenes. And, and I'd be like 14 years old watching this with my mom and dad. And, and it was, you know, like uh, I forget which show it was exactly. Uh, I Spy or Run Like a Thief, one of those kind of you know yeah. adventure things. Dave was doing so many scores that time, and uh, and it was great because uh, I would say, God, listen to this jazz guitar player. Did who, who's writing that stuff that he lets this guitar player just like blow all over the top of these chase scenes? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. So so I was getting it from all angles, and and then my teacher. Duke recommended I study classical guitar, and I went and studied with uh, Christopher Parkening, who was the the young phenomenal uh, guitarist that was got signed with uh, on Capitol on Angel, and uh, so it. And then the Romeros, the flamenco, uh, incredible. They were all young, and they were around Southern California. So it was just man, guitar was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got. I I wonder. Uh, you know, what were a couple of things, what would you say would be a couple of things that, um, that you did as a young guitar player that made you the player you are today? Well, I, I think, uh, in, in my family, since my dad was an amateur piano player, he was always writing songs and, and, uh, these tunes didn't go anywhere. They ended up in the piano bench, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, he'd, he'd write these tunes and, and I think uh, from a very early time, uh, when my dad bought me a, a couple of West Montgomery records and and uh, other guitar player records, and then I started to hear, uh, you know, pop songs and Motown songs. And, and at the end of the story, the melodies and the songs ended up being kind of key. And, I, and I've noticed that most of the modern uh, guitar players that uh, have stuck out in, in any field of music not all of them, but most of them end up also writing their own music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a way, when you write your own songs, whether they're vocal songs or instrumental songs, I, I think it's a way to help identify your personality. I think it, it helps the listener. I think it helps the player. I, I always, Because now more than ever, there's a zillion people playing music, which is a great thing, but it's it's even harder to have an identity now. And... You know, and it's easy to copy on YouTube and 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 copy everybody. You know, online, everybody's on a on a video of some kind and and on FaceTime and yeah. and you know, it's it's and you see eight year olds playing, you know, a Jimi Hendrix solo, and you go, how is that possible? You know, and <laughs> and then and then ten years later, is that eight year old killing? Is he the next Jimi Hendrix? Not necessarily. You know, and so. So it's it's really important. I always recommend to musicians to write their their music as a way of kind of it's a, it's a learning process and it's also helps you form, kind of form your your passions and your love. Yeah. What what about what about people that uh, 
that don't, you know, they don't feel like they're creative enough or they don't know what to, what to say, you know, when it comes to writing. And they feel like, well, that's just not my bag, you know. I mean, how do they get over that? Well, I mean, you know, you, it, it is also a learning process. You know, you, yeah. uh, first of all, most people, whether they're musicians and they play an instrument or they sing or they're just listeners, uh, relate to some kind of band or some kind of, if they like music and they relate to an artist, they, they love that artist, but they might love a, a metal band. They might love a jazz guy, a folk, a pop singer. And maybe they like the way they dance or they, they have a presence on, um, you know, on social media or something. But at the end of the story, the music, usually people still relate to the songs. And, um, and I, I don't, I don't care if it's, you know, the, the greatest metal band and, and, or if it's, uh, if it's blues or, you know, why BB King stuck out amongst all the other great guitar blues players was, you know, he, sometimes he had, he well, certainly had his own style and, and, and he, he also had those tunes. Now, whether he wrote them or not, he made them his tunes, you know. Yeah. So when you when you heard him play a, a song, it was maybe a BB King song, but if it wasn't a BB King song, man, it sounded like a BB King song after he was done with it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I'm saying you don't have to necessarily say I'm going to be a songwriter, but helping you know writing songs uh, just helps you uh, identify who you are, and so you you know you have to hear melodies, you have to sing melodies, you have to learn chords, you have to learn rhythm. Um, you know, if you don't know how to write a song, go ahead and copy somebody's song, but then take it apart. Mm. You know, when I was when I was uh, a young teenager, I, I got attracted to songwriting, and as I was getting into doing my first album at 23, I you know, Earth, Wind & Fire was huge. And I'm saying, wow. And of course, the Beatles were huge, and... and before that, and and Stevie Wonder was around, and uh, you know Simon Garfunkel, and uh, and you know all these. And Shobim was coming with the Brazilian tunes, and I said, why are these tunes great? You know, and so uh, I would take, I'd look at the music of a Earth, Wind, and Fire tune, and I'd say, well, gosh, it doesn't look. You know, there's the melody, there's the chords. It doesn't, when I look at the music, it doesn't sound like Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> and, and so, you know, then you then you kind of learn that, well, it was this guy singing and interpreting it and then arranging it with the horns and the rhythm and everything, and the voicings and, and the phrasing and the, you know, the inspiration from uh, Black African music. And, and so, you know, everything that, you know, when when you'd like look at a melody in a in a chord in a songbook of Stevie Wonder tune, and it here's the chords and here's the melodies and here's the lyrics, and you play it on the piano, you don't sound like Stevie Wonder, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but when Stevie Wonder plays those tunes, he sounds like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> so it was all integrated when Stevie did it. You know, it still does. Yeah. And and so when I when I play somebody else's tune, I I often get a comment that, that says. Wow, you made that sound like a Lee Rittenauer tune, and so I'm not sure which is first. Is it Lee Rittenauer or is it the song? You know, or is it the way I, I interpret? So again, it's just with everybody out there and everybody on the internet and everybody, 
you know, sounding like everybody else, uh, it's really important to be an individual. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Now, I, I got to ask you do, you, do you think it's important for uh, somebody who's, you know, trying to establish themselves as a, as a guitar player to pay attention to other instruments? You know, like I know some guys pay real deep attention to, you know, horn parts and horn players. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. It really depends where you're aiming because it, it's it's so diversified. When when I was growing up and, and I got interested more in jazz, uh, certainly, you know, if you heard uh, Miles Davis or John Coltrane, you, you'd go, wow, what, what was that? How do I sound like that on the guitar? Or you'd, you'd, you'd hear Stan Getz or Paul Desmond, and it was more melodic, and he's, maybe you'd want to sound like that. So definitely uh, other instruments are, you know, really perk the ears and can kind of be a big influence, you know, like the great jazz pianist Bill Evans, uh, you know, jazz guitar players had a, a hard time sort of adapting to what Bill Evans did, but people like Jim Hall and later even Pat Metheny and others uh, that went down that road that, that became a sound, you know. Um, I was interested in, in all kind of instruments, you know, and, 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 and again, if you want to be uh, playing in a band, you know, you, you really have to learn how to play with other players, you know, this, this thing where everybody's programming and, and and playing at home with their computers it's fantastic i I'm, i was the first one that you know wrapped my head around the fact that you could record into software into a computer I, I, when that came out you know 25 years ago i thought that was the greatest shit invented <laughs> and but at the same time and this shutdown this pandemic that we're all going through this year in 2020 is is really a reminder that um, music is is something that you know. I'm glad we can share it over the internet. And I'm glad that uh, everybody can download the music and, and and Spotify and those kind of systems and iTunes and all that exists. That's fantastic. But as far as making music with other musicians and people hearing music and coming to a, a club or a concert hall or a festival and responding, it's like all of us have done this online. Uh, streaming stuff. I haven't done very much of it. I'm doing one t tomorrow for Italy, but um, you know, it, it's everybody, all the musicians and, and all the young guys. They're just kind of used to it. That's like an everyday thing for them. Uh, but for musicians that play in a band and, and travel the world like I do and play in front of fans, uh, it's like when you do a, a streaming gig and even if you're with other players and and you're the ones playing, it's it's sort of like. It's nice to get together and play with one another, and, and you can kind of just go from that point of view, and, and, and that's fine. But if you're expecting some kind of reaction from the audience out there in the world from who's watching on their computer from their house uh, or apartment or wherever, uh, you don't get that reaction. You know, I've had so many artists tell me, how, how was that streaming gig you did? I said, well, I think we played okay, and it was fun to play with the guys, and when it was over, it was like, uh, I guess it's over. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this, this thing of sharing music with people, it, it really is important. You know, it's like musicians have to play with musicians, but even if you're up there singing your own songs, uh, if you're singing to your microphone in front of your computer and, and people are listening or watching on the other end, that's fine. That's great. But, um, 
it doesn't give you that same response. Yeah, yeah. You know what? In spite of the, oh, I don't want to say the dark year that we've had because, you know, there's been some good in it, I guess, you know, to yes, some degree. Yes, yes. But in spite of, you know, the, the gloominess of what feels like 2020, you know, your new album, Dreamcatcher, is something that is, you know, it's kind of enlightening. It's actually an incredibly beautiful piece of a work, you know. So why don't, why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, what was behind, you know, the making of the album and, uh, you know, your thought process there. Well, the, the funny thing is that it, it, it I guess it really did... Uh, was meant to happen this year and and came to fruition you know mostly in 2020 but it was in the planning stages for the last few years you know i've i've been so lucky in my career to have done so much and i've been around so long um and and then i've had a lot of opportunities and I'm, you know and I've, I've done like 45 of my own albums right and yeah. so but i only and i don't bring that up to boast but i bring it up to the point that i had never done a solo record Never yeah. done a solo guitar record, and uh, and people had encouraged me to do it, and they knew I, you know, I had the, maybe the ability to do it because I was would play certain improv improvised pieces at, at shows at, at the end of a song or at the beginning of a song, but and once in a while just by itself, but um, but it, you know I, I was always the band guy. I was always uh, I, I loved making records with 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 the guys and calling a rhythm section and calling my friends or calling the latest hot guys or collaborating with guys in New York or, uh, or LA or London, or, you know, if I had an opportunity people from Nashville or wherever. And, and so, and then I would, sometimes it would be bigger projects or smaller projects, but I had never done that, uh, solo record. So the last few years I, I started writing for it more specifically and said, yeah, I got to do that. But I kind of kept, it kind of kept, uh, it was funny. I had, I went to Brazil with my wife and, and son one year and, and uh, we were at her parents' place and I stayed out on a deck and, and, and just for hours at a time, it just recorded into my phone. And I, I had about a hundred little segments of pieces and uh, some of them were three minutes long. Some of them were 10 minutes long. Some of them were 20 seconds long. And so for the next couple of years, I would take my bike rides around Los Angeles like I do uh, constantly, and and I would just sometimes listen to these some of these pieces, and then later I'd make notes. Check out, uh, check out song seventy three. You know, two minutes in, there's something good there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, I have these notes on my phone, and so so these notes lasted for for a few years, and and uh, finally. In 19, I got more serious, and I said, yeah, I think I can do this. And so I started, you know, getting more serious about it. And again, I kept touring a lot, and and it would get put off for one reason or another. And, and I what I used to be really used to doing an album a year, and that slowed down once I started touring so often. And and then 2020 came, and at the end of 19, I was I was actually recording the record. I'd already, we'd already lost the house, and malibu to the fire and i had lost my studio in in malibu and i had lost a hundred guitars and every amp and every pedal board and pedal and 
everything I'd ever had since I was 12 years old mm. was in that place. And um, mm. so it, it sort of also, and I walked out that day with just seven guitars thinking I'd be back the next day. Later on, when I went and made Dreamcatcher, it wasn't exactly the same seven guitars, but seven guitars ended up on the album. And and so and I didn't realize until I had this idea for the album cover, which was to put these seven guitars in a circle and and make a dream catcher in the middle. And uh, and I it, it was just it, it was really inspirational that the the guitar was still at the center of my life, along with family, of course, and, and all the musicians and all my, my, my terrific music career that I've had, you know, the fortune to have all these years. So so it, it really did go, you know. And this year is 60 years I've been playing the guitar. It's like you turn around and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so sorry that, you know, I, I heard about your home at that time in that. And uh, being somebody that's had a house fire, I uh, oh, I understand that. Yeah. I, I mean, n not to the extent, you know, uh, of yours. Um I I I got probably I don't know maybe sixty seventy guitars, and I oh, wow. I remember when the fire department came here, I had them like chained in a row like you would pass a buck bucket of water you know to put on a fire. I had them yeah. like that in a row going out to a van putting my guitars in the back. Wow! <laughs> Trying to get them all out because I was so afraid you know that I was gonna I was gonna it was it was stupid. You know, I should have been worried about other things, but uh... no, no, no. You know, it, it ends up sometimes the, <laughs> you know, there was there was a bunch of small things in my studio that I wished I had grabbed. But yeah. you know, I, I was I, later I talked to Malibu people about the fire and and uh, it we were across, we were on the ocean side, not right next to the ocean, but on the ocean side of Malibu, and and uh, it was very 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 rare that fires would cross the highway and come over to the yeah. the beach side but this one came all the way through the canyon and you know it's probably the sign of you know obviously you know with the changing climate over the years and and th things have just been changing a lot you know obviously california has been very vulnerable in general and yeah. the whole weather western hemisphere of the united states but um but it, I still was one of the old timers thinking, nah, it'll never come this far and we'll be back tomorrow. Just grab a few things. So I wish I had grabbed a bunch of other things, not necessarily the most valuable stuff, but the stuff that is kind of irreplaceable. Right. Like, you know, whether it's that photo that, you know, I, I had some of the artwork, like the artwork from Six String Theory. You know, I, I had that on on the wall i had the harlequin album that i did with dave Grusin, and uh, the painting for that you know so things that you could have grabbed that you didn't so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you live and learn but um at the end of the story we were all safe and and uh you know we had insurance and and uh we're, we're rebuilding the house and taking another chance and and uh and and the, the it went all into the music you know so yeah uh, so it it uh continued to be Kind of a, you know, it's like you said at the beginning. This year is a, an incredibly challenging and and hard year for everybody. But um, in a way, it's also gives people an opportunity to kind of like uh, take stock of their lives and family and friends and yep. and what's important important to them, you know. And so uh, I was able to make that Dreamcatcher album. And and the other thing, I I went into 
completely separate from the fire, I had a surgery scheduled for the week after the fire. Mm. And I had uh, never been in a hospital a day in my life, never had been seriously ill. But turns out I had to have an aortic valve. I was coming up short on air uh, for the last couple of years. I've probably been pushing myself so hard for the last, you know, 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so at any rate, uh, uh, I was scheduled to, uh, to have this surgery and, and uh, you know, had to cancel a, a world tour that that during that period as well. And in a way, it was good. I, w- I was home for my family because had I been on the road, uh, <clears throat> I would have been hearing about the house and studio burning down. Uh, you know, from when I was in Japan, yeah. so I was home and uh, and I, I had the surgery. We got into a rental house and we're rebuilding the, the Malibu house. And uh, the music is still there, the family's still there, the hands and the spirit still work. So it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> well, the album, like I said, the album turned out amazing. It's absolutely beautiful. The playing is incredible. You know, one of the things about it that I thought was kind of cool was uh, the song Abbott Kenny. Mm. And uh, uh, I, I think what what got me on that song was the tone of the good. It's like you took the amp just a little bit past breakup or, you know, just right past right. breakup to the point to where it was just kind of, you know, crushing a little bit. I, I, I absolutely loved the the way that you combined, you know, what you do with a little bit of blues you know, in that tone, which was kind of, for me, was, you know, it's kind of, you know, different for you. Well, you know, now, when Abbott Kinney came along, that song, that was right during the first shutdown of the pandemic. And, you know, I know everyone's got their stories by now uh, about, you know, this this crazy year. But I was already making the album. I, it was primarily started out on acoustic guitar. And then I was starting to pull out the jazz guitar and, and, you know, my, my engineers that I had Don Murray for the last 40 years, he, he couldn't really come over because of the pandemic and everybody was afraid to go anywhere. And, and so fortunately I had a tech that had come over and kind of set up the basic room for me. And, and so I was using all my experience to record the guitar and, and, you know, the playing field was really leveled. I didn't have my fancy studio in Malibu anymore. It was like, uh, I had to figure stuff out myself, and uh, uh, and then and then all of a sudden I went on this bike ride. To, right after the shutdown, I said, I, I can't believe everything's shut down. Let me take a bike ride. So I went over to Abbot Kinney, a very famous street in, in Santa Monica, Venice. That's always crowded, and of course it was empty, and there wasn't a soul on the street, and there wasn't a, a car or a person. I had never seen this street like that, and I was getting depressed, and all of a sudden I hear this guitar somebody just said fuck it i'm gonna turn up to 10 and and they were just rocking out whoever it was <laughs> upstairs i guess uh in, in a little apartment or whatever it was and and uh, the sound was bouncing up and down abbott kinney and it just brought, brought such a sm- smile and and uh uh you know it was again i was reminded of the inspiration of the guitar and music and and uh and and what we all do as people to keep moving and i i went home and i couldn't i get that out of my head and i said gosh a a solo guitar piece with that kind of sound and so i put a little extra you know i got out the les paul and put a little crunch on the sound and and uh i was i I had recently gotten one of these strymon iridiums and uh put that through logic audio on the computer and 
put some compression and verb and delay, and here we go. <laughs> yeah, it it, and it's, it really sounds like a, an amp just just pushed to break up. I mean, just yeah, no, no, it. I yeah, and I and actually I do have amps set up in this room with mics, and I I think I tried the tone there first, but um, I ended up uh, using the Iridium and and through Logic and on the computer, and that that uh, for for what I was doing, it was a better control, you know. Yeah, well, it, it it sounded great. I loved it actually. You know, I, I mean, I, I I love your playing, of course. You know, I think most people do in that. But it was just that song. I don't know. It just kind of stuck out to me because it was different. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, it, it's like I think I think when I started the album, I I was thinking. Okay, I know I'm not going to do just one guitar sound through the whole album because even when the the greatest guitar players in the world do that, like somebody like a Joe Pass or something, uh, you know, it doesn't even hold my interest for a dozen songs, you know. And and of course, there's the whole question like, does does anybody listen to whole albums anymore? Well, I still do, so I'm going to make one. <laughs> and but then I, I started tuning the guitars different. Uh, down uh, half step or full step, still tuned like a guitar, and started out with the acoustic uh, Yamaha classical guitar, and then kind of branched over to the baritone guitar, which Taylor had supplied for me after the other one burned up in the fire, and and uh, and and then the jazz guitar. I had my my Gibson L5, but also the Sadowski uh, uh, Roger Sadowski's jazz guitar, the SS15, and so. I was experimenting with sounds and, you know, sounds for most musicians, you get the right sound and it can be inspiring for the composition. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I said, wow, I never thought about doing a solo rock guitar. Let me see if I can even do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, sure enough, that's what became Abbott Kinney. Well, you're leaving now. Of course you can do it. Right. <laughs> of course you can do it. You got it in you, Lee. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. I, I know I do, but you know, you yeah. want to make sure that you're, doing it for the right reason it turned out i it it was inspirational so it was good yeah do you find you play different on different guitars oh absolutely yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah um and you know i i was i had a quite a bit of string noise on some of the acoustic stuff and and i was sending it over to don murray my engineer who's you know engineer every one of my albums since 1976 and i said don i i know i got some close miking here and i'm combining a couple of mics with the di and i said are we okay and i you know it's got a fair amount of and i I had one assistant that was working for me that was taking out a couple of the more obvious uh things and i i you know but it was not quite as perfectly clean as normally i would have done uh in another setting but on the other hand it, it was real you know so i said no you know what don't worry about it let's let's leave all that stuff it's good (laughs) yeah yeah so what are you know i know right now you know everything's you know at a standstill still at this moment and that but uh do you have plans or i mean i'm sure there's got to be plans to get out and and tour this once things open up yeah no there's already uh talk about it for going to you know and of course it all depends on on how life and i know people i know musicians want to get out and make music and i know People want to hear musicians make music, so yeah. uh, how how quick it turns around is is anybody's guess. But uh, I know that players are going to try to do it as soon as, as soon as they can. Uh, there's plans for a European summer tour in, in in Europe, and 
and another falter also in Europe, and and we'll do the U.S. Uh, as soon as it's uh, can all come together. But it probably again won't be until uh, hopefully, hopefully maybe we, it'll be summertime, you know. And meanwhile, we've got uh, some uh, streaming events uh, that are in the, in the works and coming up, and I'm uh, doing one tomorrow uh, for uh, Music Off in in uh, Italy, and and uh, that'll be. Uh, worldwide and that i think there's a notice on facebook for that as well and i'll, I'll be playing a little bit but it's not the same as as doing a show that's for sure yeah and uh, and i i think uh uh at one point I'll, I'll definitely be out there you know playing a little bit of the solo guitar record but i'm you know it'll be within the auspices of the of the band shows as well you know so right. uh, and and uh, also uh, i wanted to mention um uh, that my six string theory uh, dot com, which is my foundation that is nonprofit that supports and musicians around the world, young young players and well older players too, but you know non professionals and some of them many of them are are on their way to being professionals and it's a competition that was supposed to run in eighteen uh, excuse me in, in twenty twenty and uh, we had to cancel it obviously but. Uh, the second half of 21 it'll be uh, up and running and there's a free competition right now that yamaha is sponsoring and some other uh, folks and uh, mascot records in europe and uh, the label group that i'm on and uh right you can go up to sixstringtheory.com and you can take one of my tunes and, and do your own version and uh, win a yamaha guitar and some other stuff and and automatic entrance into the competition for next year and 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 uh, we'll put you up there and and so it, it's, it's some nice stuff. So, again, I'm just really concerned about all the musicians out there around the world on any instrument that are trying to do their thing today. It's more challenging than ever yeah. it, in, in a way because of the Internet, and because of the fact that there's, you know, we're all connected. It, it's great. But also uh, you still got to. You, you still got to get noticed, but meanwhile, you got to learn how to play and you got to get your stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, would, you, would it be okay if, uh, we, I linked that your six string theory, um, um, to, uh, to our website so that the people that come to our website can, can get information on it and take Yes, it? absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, that competition is up there now and, and, uh, also, if you, if you need any particulars, uh, uh, you know, when you, when we, if you need any other details, you can just go up on sixstringtheory.com. But if you need us to send you anything, just send me a text and I'll turn you on to Gary uh, uh, that, that works for me, that does all that stuff. Okay, very good. Very good. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, Lee, I really appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time. And I appreciate you making this album because I've really enjoyed it. Ah, thank you. Well, there's, uh, uh, I think we can all say that there's been, you know, no year like any of us currently living has gone through like this year. And there's a lot of noise out there as well in general. And, and uh, it seems like uh, the album has a place because, uh, you know, at the end of the story, with everything going on, you know, people people need more music than ever i think and uh yeah. so it's it's like and and the guitar and music in general is 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 a healthy thing to be doing i completely agree i thank you yeah. so much for your time lee all right thank you and hopefully uh, we'll uh, we'll get to see each other one of these days that would be that would be amazing believe me all right, all right. you Thanks, have buddy. a great day my friend 
You too. Bye-bye now. Ciao. All right, so there you have it, Lee Rittenauer. I want to thank Lee for taking time out of the schedule in order to sit down with me so that we could enjoy uh, a good 30 minutes or so with uh, a really cool guy. Now, you know what? He talked about the six-string theory competition. You can go to sixstringtheory.com. All the information is there on how you can participate. One thing is for sure, Lee is an advocate for players. Uh, He has done everything that you can imagine to raise up some really talented uh, people over the years. He sees... You know, something in people sometimes that maybe others just don't see. And so my hat's off to him because uh, people like that uh, are hard to come by sometimes, you know. So thanks to Lee. Make sure you're getting his new album, Dreamcatch. Okay, so next week we turn our attention to Chicago, the home of the blues with Joanna Connor. She's just now releasing a brand new album that was produced by Joe Bonamassa. I tell you what, this album is Down Home Chicago Blues. It's called 4801 South Indiana Avenue, which happens to be the address of the infamous Chicago Blues Club on the south side called Teresa's. It was a hangout for a lot of Chicago's uh, best blues players. I mean, the who's who hung out in there. My good buddy Billy Branch hosted a jam in there for a long time. So the album is named after the address for Teresa's Lounge in Chicago. It is a great album. You're really going to enjoy this thing. It was done really well. So Joanna Connor will join us next week right here on Guitar Talk. You know what? Until then, make sure that you're following me, Jimmy Warren, on all aspects of social media. Also, Jimmy Warren Radio on Facebook. Make sure that you sign up for our mailing list at guitartalkofficial.com and subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, which is at Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. You know, another thing you can do is you can help support us on a monthly basis through Patreon or direct from our website. You know what? The cool thing about Patreon is is that you get some perks besides the podcast for your support. That's right. You get exclusive content, bonus content. You get opportunities to communicate directly with me uh, through Zoom on a monthly basis. Uh, We can talk about guitars. We can look at your gear. We can do all kinds of stuff through there. So it's a really cool opportunity. So, make sure that you're helping us out, keeping us on the air, and keeping the guests that we have coming forward. We really appreciate it. Now, until next week, when we're together with Joanna Connor and her new album, 4801 South Indiana Avenue, uh, I'm Jimmy Warren with Guitar Talk. Thank you so much. See you next time.